0: It's our prayer that this message from God's Word will deeply impact your life. Uh, Today is a very, very, very good day. If you're brand new today, I just want to welcome you to church. It's so good that you could join us. Please make sure that after the uh, service, you come and talk to Pastor Heather or I at the Info Center at the back. We would love to to hear your story, and we're just so privileged and glad that you would join us uh, today. And uh, to be honest, I'm just super excited for what God is doing in our campus, in our church in Portico. I'm really believing that uh, this year in the town of Milton, that we're going to see some amazing things happen uh, in Jesus' name. Uh, This week, we are starting a new series. Uh, This is Living, Choosing Joy in Life's Everyday Moments. And when I say that, I'm talking about not just some moments— but in every moment, and we all know that life can have some, some incredible moments, like our, our new campus that's starting uh, in Brampton. We're really excited about that. We've seen some incredible moments. Uh, we also know that life can give us some unexpected moments. I remember um, when, I was, uh, when I was a, a young adult, I... Uh, I um, I really wanted to be like a a rock star. I even had hair down past my shoulders. And uh, I remember that uh, God radically changed my life. And uh, I don't know why, I just saw a picture and I thought it looked really bad with long hair, so I shaved it. But I had already gotten my license and my passport picture, so when I went across the border, uh, the, the border guard saw me with long hair and then Or this picture with long hair and me with a shaved head. And he looks at me and he just goes, what happened? And I looked at him and I said, I found God. And he looks at me and he laughs. He goes, all right, get out of here, right? Yeah, it it is literally the fastest I've ever gone through a border. And uh, so we have these unexpected changes in life. Uh, But with that, we also have difficult moments in life too. Maybe you've experienced loss or or disappointment, right? Maybe it was with a a job or a a family member or or it it could have been a marriage. You know, uh, it could have been a difficult season when it comes to your grades, right? Trying to get a a better uh, grade point average. Uh, It could be trying to find better work. We've had these difficult moments, difficult seasons. It could be sickness. It could be anything like that. And, And so when these moments happen choosing joy in life's everyday moments. I remember Rachel and I, we went to uh, the beach and uh, we were there and we were one of the, the first families to get there and this other family uh, uh, came as well and um, if you know the rules of the beach, you go, you find the spot that has the, less, like the least amount of seaweed, right? And then what do you do next? Next. You dip your foot into the water to see how cold it is, right? If it's bearable. Well, I had already tested out the waters and I was like, man, it is freezing today. It is freezing. And so we just go back, and we sit down, and we're going to wait until it gets warmer. Well, anyways, this other family comes, and this boy just neglects the rules of the beach completely, and he just runs, and he cannonballs into the water, and he went down, and all you see is a splash and a couple bubbles, and then he doesn't emerge. And suddenly, out of nowhere, just as fast as he's cannonballed into the into the water. He jumps out of the water and he screams, "Hallelujah!" I'm not even lying to you. That's exactly his words. "Hallelujah!" And then he sprints out of the out of the water onto the beach. And so, uh, I'm saying this, It's... it, it uh, you know, in these moments and these seasons of difficulty, it's it's not saying it's the kind of joy where we scream hallelujah at the top of our lungs uh, when we find ourselves in uncomfortable circumstances, but in the midst of life's everyday moments, having the kind of joy with a healthy perspective in response to whatever may come. And things may come, they will come. And so we choose joy. Because joy is not determined by our outward circumstance, right? Joy is not determined by our outward circumstance, but rather our inward commitment. Our joy comes from Christ. It comes from God. And so we can have joy not because of what's going around us, but what God's doing within us. And so that's the kind of joy that we're going to be talking about, that commitment and so we see this commitment in the early church. So if you've got your Bibles, open it up to Acts chapter 16. Uh, feel free to get your version apps out as well. Or you can follow along if you've got a bulletin. Acts chapter 16. We see this in the early church, this, this commitment when, when, when the early church put their trust in God and, and committed themselves to his leading, they found themselves in uncharted adventures. And two of these people that we're going to be looking at today were Paul and Silas. So Acts chapter 16, and we're going to start at verse 6. It says this, Paul and his companions Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia. Come on, give it up for my, my speaking right now. These are not easy words, okay? Uh, you're reading it too, and you're like, wow, bless him. That's hard. Okay. Yeah, but the spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man at Macedonia, standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we, we got ready and at once to leave, uh, at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. From Troas, we put out, uh, put out to sea and sailed straight to Samothrace. All right? Once again, you're welcome for that. And the next day, we went to Neapolis. From there, we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony, and, le- and the leading city of the district of Macedonia. And we stayed there several days. Now, just to give you an idea of, of where they traveled, we've got a map here. So they feel God's call on their life, and, and, and they, they feel like where they wanted to go isn't where God is leading them. So we've got the map here. You can get an idea. If you look at the far right, you'll see that they, they went up and they were going through Galatia, and then something stopped them. The Holy Spirit stopped them, and instead of just going right across, they went up and over. So God had taken them on this this uh, this uncharted adventure, a place that wasn't common for people to go to. So let me ask you this question. What does it look like for you today to put your trust fully in God? What has God maybe been speaking to you to do that might be a little unorthodox or a little bit different, might be something that you're not comfortable with or used to? Maybe it's something that doesn't necessarily make sense. What can we expect along this journey that God leads us on where we're expected to trust and obey? Well, from Paul's story, we see that they encountered unparalleled opportunity. That was one of the first things they saw was unparalleled opportunity. Acts 16, it says that Paul had this vision and in the vision, a man said to him, come to Macedonia, come over here and help us. So what did they do? They left. They dropped everything that they were initially intending to do, and they moved on. Paul expected to be in Asia, in the major cities along the Silk Road. You ever heard of the Silk Road? It took, it took about, I think, three three, what was it, two, three years to do the full uh, Silk Road, um, but uh, for them, it, was, it wasn't going to take that long, and, and so they initially thought we would take the Silk Road to go to some of these places, but God had something else in mind, and it, you know, if you think about it, it made logical sense, because that's where all the world religions were, along the Silk Road, you had Buddhism and Taoism and all these other religions that were starting up and they were, they were a presence there. And so Paul would naturally want to be going through these areas, sharing the good news. And yet God calls him to go up north and then to go out west. And so he does that. Paul responds and trusts God's leading. And if there's one thing I've learned when it comes to trusting God is that not everything he asks or does makes sense in the moment. But then again, I don't think it's always about what makes sense to me. It's more about obedience from me and and trusting God, trusting that what God is doing is what's best for me, but it's also what's best for others and ultimately what brings glory to Him. And so we respond with, Obedience. Look at look at another uh, person who would be in a similar boat. You had David, who was a shepherd boy, and he was a shepherd boy, and then he becomes he becomes this this musician, and he's he's playing for the courts, he's playing for the king. But here's the thing: is David was never called to be just a shepherd boy. David was called to be king. Right? It doesn't seem to make sense in the moment. How could a shepherd boy be? A king, that's the lowest of the low. But we've got to understand that when God calls us, right, the the best thing that we can do, the best thing for us is we can be obedient. And look at David. He became one of the greatest kings ever because of his obedience in that moment. And so what we see is that God will guide us to the right places, but he will also guide us away from the wrong places, Have you ever been to a lot of wrong places? Right? You found yourself where you're like, I definitely don't belong here right now. Okay, right? (laughs) Yeah. Right, We have to trust that not only will God bring us to the right places, he's actually going to keep us away from the wrong places. There's a reason why we weren't in a, a specific place at a, a specific time, why, why you didn't go one way as opposed to the other. God not only guides you through those moments, but he keeps you away from other moments as well. You know, I always wonder, I wonder what if Paul didn't obey God? Would would the church look like it is today? Right? If if David didn't fight a giant, right? What would happen in that moment? And and I actually think that uh, you know, not only would that there be a missing in the the, the mission and the call and the calling and the purpose of their life, but I actually think that they would miss out on the best parts of life. And so I have to ask myself, God, is there anything that you're asking me that I need to do? Because I I know for sure, I don't want to miss out on what you're doing. And I'm sure each one of you here are thinking the same thing. God, I don't want to miss out on what you're doing, right? If there's going to be something that's good that can come my way, I want to respond with obedience. If there's, if there's something that you want to use me for your, your purpose and, and, and to bless others and to bless my family, God, I want to be obedient with that. With obedience comes unparalleled opportunity. And in Paul's case, trusting God led to Philippi, where interesting enough, he, he goes to Philippi and there's no synagogue there, right? Uh, in, in those days, you needed 10 men to have a synagogue. And so Paul's probably wondering, well, what do I do here? I'm in a place that God has led me, but there's not enough people to start a church. Well, what do I do? And, and this is where God starts working through and, and, and giving a picture and an image of what the church will look like one day. And so he goes to a place to pray, the Bible says. And there he goes by the river, and he, he meets this woman named Lydia. And and Lydia was by the river, and the Bible says that Lydia was actually a God-fearing woman. And so they begin to talk to Lydia, and Lydia gives her life to Jesus, commits her life to Jesus, and right there you have the first Christian, the first convert in Philippi was a woman, which was not normal in those days. And so you're seeing what God is doing, defining what the church will look like in Western culture coming up. And so she opens up her heart to God. She opens up her, her house to, to the, the disciples. And, and what ends up happening is her whole, her whole family becomes followers of Christ. Let me ask you this. What opportunities have you never explored or written off because they seemed less significant? Right? Like what if Paul didn't go to the river and didn't open up the good news message to these, this woman? What if he didn't do that? What if if we don't take those opportunities that God gives us that seem a little less significant, that don't fit our original plan, you know, that require change, of course, in our lives? Well, for Paul, this drastically changed the world, his obedience and trusting in God. He experienced, as a result of his trust, uncharted. Adventure, but with this came unexpected resistance. We can expect that with, with trusting in God, we will also face unexpected resistance. Often we want to believe that if, if God has called us to it, it will just happen with, with little to no effort or, or difficulty. But when you look at Paul's life, it was anything but e- easy. He was rejected by the apostles. He was abandoned. He was jailed. He was whipped 200 times. He was beaten. He was shipwrecked. He floated for two days. And potentially worst of all, he was bitten by a snake, right? Like all these things happened. It wasn't easy. His call wasn't easy. Uh, But this, this resistance didn't surprise Paul at all because he knew the cost when he became a follower of Christ he knew it. And right from the beginning, he knew the resistance and he knew that pain would be part of his journey. And you know what? It makes no difference to you and I either. When we say yes to Jesus, we, we still experience these things. You know, just because we say yes to Jesus doesn't mean we're not going to go through difficulty or challenge. In fact, we might even go through more challenge because of the commitment because of the resistance of of what we're doing because we know that when it comes to when it comes to this journey when it comes to resistance and pain with every goal comes obstacles with every calling comes conflict why because the devil doesn't want to doesn't want you to see this as an opportunity but rather a liability Right When it comes to your faith, when it comes to you being a Christian and stepping out in faith, when it comes to you having boldness to live different and you know, be countercultural uh, against everyone else if it, if it has to be that way. He doesn't want you to see it as an opportunity, but he wants you to see it as a liability, a reason to, to quit, a reason to second-guess yourself or, or second-guess God's calling on your life. I guarantee if I asked every one of you here, if you've felt God say something about your life or to do something in your life, you've had moments where you've second-guessed God's calling, you've second-guessed God's leading. And that's what the enemy does. He wants us to second guess ourselves. Maybe that wasn't God. Maybe God isn't asking me to do this or or take this step or, 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 you know, befriend this person or go out and do this, change my job, change, you know, all these different things. He wants us to look at the fear side of things. He wants to give us a reason to quit. And Paul experienced this in Acts 16 when they met a slave girl on the road. She was possessed by a spirit or a demon who could predict the future. And as a result, she earned a lot of money for her owners at the time. And what she would do is she would follow around Paul and Silas and the others, and she would shout at the top of her lungs. For every, every time they went to different locations, she would shout, these men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. Like she's yelling this every place. They, if they go to a house, she's yelling that into the house. If they go down the street, she's yelling that into the street. Can you imagine if someone was like commentating your entire movement or action for a day, right? Oh, Daniel, he's eating a cookie, right? Like, you know, Daniel is going into the car, right? After a while, you'd be like, are you kidding me right now, right? And this is what I love about the Bible. It's just so transparent. It just says, Paul was annoyed, right? (laughs) I tell you, but it's, they said in the Bible, it actually says that it happened for days that she was doing this. So Paul had a lot of patience, right? And, And so eventually Paul just gets so annoyed and he turns around at, at this, at this girl. And he says, in the name of Jesus, come out. And the demon leaves her. And so a lot of us will look at that story and we'll go, well, what was wrong? She was, she was saying that, you know, that uh, the, the person they're speaking about can save them, right? What was wrong with her doing that? Well, you need to know that God and, and demons, God and evil have no place together. They cannot be together. And what would happen if, if Paul would have just allowed that to stay and, and for her to keep doing that, people would see her connected with God and they would go to this fortune teller to find out more right? And so that's why Paul had to do that. That's why he said, in the name of Jesus, come out now. And so the, the Bible actually tells us that, that when uh, they realized that the spirit had left this girl, that when the, the owners realized this and all their hope for making money was gone in verse 19, it says that they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. And these men, uh, they... they Put these men in, in, into the, the courts, and they said, These men are Jews, and are throwing our our city into uproar, so they 're lying right they 're making false claims.' And they said, by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. And as a result, the crowds became to, began to join in and, and, and also started accusing Paul and Silas. And they said that after they had been uh, severely flogged for this, that they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully, all because they were speaking truth. And they were thrown into the inner cell. Now, I don't know if you've ever been uh, to prison. Um, If you are, welcome. It's good to have you here. Um, But uh, I remember I went to Ireland, and uh, we were doing a a missions trip there, and we went to Blarney Castle. Uh, For those of you who don't know, Blarney Castle is where you got your Blarney stone. And yes, I did kiss it. Uh, before I kissed it, I asked, uh, I asked the man, I, I said, um, how many people kiss this rock a year? And he goes, oh, thousands. So I, uh, I pretty much went as far out as I could so that, to make sure that I didn't kiss a part of the rock that everyone else would have kissed. Um, I don't know if I'd have lips today if that was the case. Um, but anyways, uh, so we were at Blarney Castle, and one of the last things that we saw was the dungeon. And uh, this place, it was, it was cold, it was damp, it was wet, uh, rocks were jagged, um, it was dark, there was zero sunlight. Um, they would have just, uh, they either would have had uh, a light or no light at all um, with a, you know, a torch or, or something like that. The rocks were jagged, you could never stand up fully, so in this, in this dungeon you always had to be hunched over. And there was no comfortable place to be. There'd be rats infested, the entire thing. And, and, you know, when we think of jails, we don't think of, you know, um, what we have today where you can get, you know, any channel you want in, in some of the prisons. But back then, it was just a lot harder and so you've got Paul and Silas who have, have sp- you know, spoken the truth and now they're thrown into this dungeon and, and not just any dungeon, but the inner dungeon, which would have been the worst of the worst. And so they're, they're in there and, and you, you can imagine sitting in jail, it would have been understandable for them to ask this question, why are we here? Why are we here? We could have gone to Asia, right? We could have gone somewhere else. But the amazing thing is, is they don't. The Bible actually says that they began to sing. Acts 16.25 says, About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. So in the midst of the, the worst moments, you have Paul and Silas singing and praising God. And I love this part. It says that the other prisoners were listening to them. You know, I I think that they they got a piece of what Jesus said when, when he said in John that in this world you will have troubles, but take heart for I have overcome the world. I think that must have been something that was running through their heads. How could you have joy in the midst of that? And I think it was because that they understood resistance isn't a sign that God isn't in it it's a sign that the enemy wants you to quit it. When we face resistance, when we face obstacles or, or struggles, it's not that God isn't in it. It's that the enemy wants you to quit it. He wants you to give up. But even though we may encounter unexpected resistance, when we trust in God, you can also expect unprecedented favor. And this is what I've learned about when, I, when you face resistance is that when you're doing what God has called you to, there's always going to be unprecedented favor. The reward you receive from God will always outweigh the resistance you face from others. The Bible actually tells us in Acts 16 that there was this violent earthquake that shook the prison. And as a result, the doors flew open and and the chains that were holding them down popped off, came completely off of them. And as a result, the jailer who was uh, charged with, with watching over them, right? Ryan, you know, you do security. He's, he's like the big bouncer dude. Uh, this guy, I tell you, I love walking with him because I know I'm safe, <laughs> right? But this, this jailer, this jailer, he, he sees that Paul and Silas are no longer with him. And so as a result, he, he decides to try and take his own life. And, and instead of doing that, Paul yells out, don't do that, we're here, stop, don't kill yourself. And it's amazing the first thing that the jailer says to them when Paul stops them. The jailer runs up to them, jumps at their feet, and says, what must I do to be saved? What kind of question is that? Why would the jailer ask that question? out of everything he could have said he runs up to their feet and he says what must i do to be saved i think it was because paul and silas were worshiping god in the midst of their suffering you know how we respond to difficult situations matter it's not just in your good days that we help people find their way back to god but probably more so it's in our bad days that we help people find their way back to God. You know, we need to remember that joy is not determined by our outward circumstance, but our inward commitment. They were having, by all means and purposes, and by human standards, a terrible day. And yet the jailer couldn't see their suffering. What he saw was their joy. So let me ask you this. What are people seeing in your life? What are people hearing in your life? Not just in your, your good days, right? Not in your highlight reel, but what about in your bad days? What are your coworkers seeing? What are your friends seeing? What's your family seeing? What's your spouse seeing? What are your children seeing when you're in your bad days? Some of you are smirking right now and Maybe it was an interesting drive this morning. I don't know. But uh, what are people seeing? Are they seeing joy or are they seeing something else? And I love what happens next. As a result of seeing their joy, the jailer ends up giving his life to Jesus, committing his life to Jesus. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God And actually, he invited Paul and Silas over, and the entire household was saved and baptized that day. So if you think about it, this is a picture of the early church in Philippi, all right? Let's get an imagery. It was comprised of a wealthy businesswoman, a middle-class worker, blue-collar worker, who also probably tortured Paul and Silas and flogged them, Um, and a slave girl who used to be possessed by a demon. Sounds like a fun growth group, right? <laughs> Which is why we want you to get into growth groups, right? That was the first church in Philippi. That was a picture of what God had in mind for the church. Not that we're perfect, not that we're all these you know, wealthy and well-off and high-above-everyone-else kind of people. He wanted everyone. He wanted the broken, he wanted the poor. He wanted people from every walk of life, every every skin color, every every background from from the worst to the worst to the to to those we would maybe call better. He wanted them all, rich poor, middle-class, you name it. That was the picture of the church that God had in mind. And that was an image of the church that God had planted in Philippi because of Paul's obedience. Just look around. Look at the different cultures here. Look at the, look at the different ages. Look at the different people. Look at the different backgrounds. All of us have a different story. All of us come from different places. We've all experienced highs and lows. And God has brought us here to this place. And in Jesus' name, we are going to grow. Why? Not because of my speaking, not because of Heather's worship, because God is building the church. And God built the church in Philippi, so much so that Paul even writes 10 years later saying, wow, I am so blessed by what you guys have done. God is going to do that here too. Why? Because we are going to trust, we are going to obey, we are going to follow God's leading because there's no better way. There's nothing we would rather do. And so maybe there's a neighbor, maybe there's, there's someone in your community, in your town that you're in a relationship with that you've been, you've been trying to take it to that next step, that next level. Maybe that means next week inviting them out. Maybe it's reminding someone that you haven't seen in weeks or, or all summer, encouraging them to come out and come back again. Maybe it's someone who's broken or hurting, right? Who's maybe failed in some way. Maybe it's inviting them. look at what Paul did he had He had people who literally had just like whipped them and and were meant to torment them and break them and and they brought them to church he He brought someone who was recently a a possessed demon possessed person freaky right and, and yet he he brings them to church and 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 he, he brings this, this woman where in, in Bible times you needed 10 men. You didn't build a church off of a, a woman, right? And yet God's setting a new standard. He's going, no, 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 no. In my kingdom, women are actually going to do incredible things. They're going to be world shapers, right? And it's the same with our men. That's God's idea for the church today. I love I love, I love, I love what Revelations 3, 8 says. It says, see, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. God has opened a door for us to make an impact in Milton, to make an impact in Georgetown and all the surrounding areas He's opened the door, and people will try and bring resistance, but you can't close what God has opened. God has planted this church. God will grow this church. What we need to do is be obedient and faithful and serve and commit and trust that God is up to get something good. God is building the church. We are that church. We may go through tough times, but we don't quit. We don't give up because God is in the storm. He may not take us out of the storm, but he will guide us through the storm. He may not take us out of, of, of the storm, but he will guide us through. He may, uh, we may have chaos around us, but God gives us peace within us. This is the God that we believe in. So as a result, we need to put our trust in him. And trust that He will guide your everyday moments as you travel through uncharted adventures this week. Trust Him and watch what He will do for you this week. Trust Him. Before we, uh, we close uh, for the service, um, just if you can just close your eyes. Um, I just want to ask you this one question. Is there anyone here with every eye closed where trust has been a a hard thing for you? Maybe in your past, trust has been broken, and so this idea of trusting God or trusting His people has been difficult. Um, If that's you tonight, I just want to pray for you. Um, Pray that... um, you would just trust God in the process, that you would learn to trust God's leading, that you would hear his voice and that you would just know whatever resistance or or whatever we may encounter, that our trust is fully committed to you. If that's you um, with no eyes looking around, I just want to, with a raise of hands, see who that is so that I can be just praying for you um, throughout this week, throughout um, for today even. Thank you, thank you, thank you very much. Father, um, trust is hard. Trust is not easy. Putting trust in you and being obedient to your leading is not easy, especially if we're not listening or don't want to listen or we've been hurt in the past. And Father, I just pray for every hand that was raised and every hand that didn't raise, but knows that that's a truth in, in their in their life. I, I pray, Father, that that um, Lord, you would just reveal yourself in such a powerful way that trust would would be something that would become natural and easy for them because they see your faithfulness in the in the process. They see your faithfulness as you're working through, and they they see the the that trust, uh, trust is something that they can give because of the peace that you put inside of them. Lord, peace is a promise you keep. And so we're asking you, Lord, and we know you'll be true to, you, to who you are. So Father, we ask that you would give us inner peace, that you uh, help us to, to trust you in all things. Lord, and that we would actually live out our faith this week. We pray. We pray for this new adventure.